talking about the one of the voices. Tell me about it. One of the voices of us. This one, it's another voice, the evil side. Yeah, whatever your name is, Satan. Welcome, folks, to Evil Examined. And uh, you guys, if you haven't already, go ahead and check the Evil Examined website because we got some real great shit up there. Uh, we put up the video of the girl walking into the freezer from the last episode, Freezer Burn. Um, but today, once again, we have Austin, the starving artist. Hello. And his main squeeze, Malicious Maddie. Hello, hello. Pure evil. Yeah. <laughs> the most evil through. couple. <laughs> like the sweetest people. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. Just want good vibes, man. Just turn everyone evil because of this show. <laughs> like, everyone's so nice. And we just like, corrupt them. <laughs> we'll be plotting when we leave here. <laughs> Kill those evil examine people. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to examine us. Um, so, A, what do you got? Oh, for today, uh, I'm going to be presenting the evil entry. Of the week, which is our deep dive into a specific topic, and we'll be discussing the incident on a bear road, which was mm. a sighting of a bizarre creature that occurred in the seventies. But maybe more exciting than this uh, fossilized uh, fucking uh, sighting is the performance that will be coming at the end from our one and only, the only real starving musician ones? that's uh, playing these days and starving. Uh, awesome, the starving artist. <laughs> and we had his performance on the uh, 44 Days Boogeyman episode. Check it out. Well, it's fantastic. 44 Days episode, he did Boogeyman. But today, what will we be performing for us? Called Green Blindfold. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Sounds kinky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, all right. So, yeah, but you got to wait, you know, because the good shit, you know, we dangle it like a At carrot. And you fat fucks just like run on the treadmill. Fat, juicy dingleberry. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what we got, dude. So I think without you know further ado, without further ado, we'll get into the evil entry. The green blindfold was King D. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, do you guys know anything? Have you ever heard of the uh, incident on a bare road? Does anybody know about it at all? Uh, I know Katie does a little bit. No, no. no. Not a clue. No. Well, that's good because then this, this makes a point to the episode, I suppose. But, uh, Let me give you a brief introduction to this incident. In August of 1976, a pair of the most noteworthy unknown creature sightings took place in the rural area of Whitehall, New York. Um, And this this is like really considered a landmark case of like Bigfoot sighting. Or I, I say I call this a creature sighting because, I mean, I guess the way they describe it, it's kind of you'll we'll get into that, but it's kind of like. You would think of a Bigfoot when, if you just imagined it like Harry and the Henderson shit, you know? Mm. But yeah, it's considered a landmark, a landmark case, and it took place over the course of two days, which is August 24th, 76, and the 25th. So back-to-back days. 
Let me ask you guys, though. I think this is kind of an interesting question, and it's something that I wonder when I, when I think about how people look at these type of things. What do you think constitutes a credible sighting? Like, when you think, oh, man, that was really, like, a credible, weird thing. Like, like what, is, what does credibility mean to you with, with these kind of sightings? I think multiple people to, like, corroborate is it helpful in making me feel like it's credible? I don't know. Okay. No, that's fair. Yeah, multiple people, because I feel like actual evidence can always be altered. You know, pictures and things like that. Videos, or they're always blurry. True. Yeah, I was going to say, for the for the most part, a photo. But these days, it's becoming so hard to decipher what's been altered and what hasn't. That it's almost It's not as, as credible yeah. as it used to be. Yeah. Very true. Mm. I was gonna say video. Video, yeah, video is usually harder to. But you alter, okay? But, but you can get a guy, experts, right? There, there are definitely experts out there. And there's some that can probably, for the most part, weed out 98 percent of the fakes, right? Mm. But, but then there's some, like they say, with like deep fakes, there's no like way to actually detect some of them. That's how complex the technology is that goes into these video alterations. Um, but that's interesting. I would say um, with this story, like you have to think of it from the the credibility of the people. I think that's what made this case blow up because there's there's a lot of uh, law enforcement that was involved in this. And that's like a more respected person in the community. Um, less probably less likely to make up something outlandish. Um, but let's go into it and we'll get we'll talk about that a little bit. Where did it happen? Um, let's see. So the reason that these incidents were so highly publicized is because multiple police officers saw it on multiple occasions as well as other non-officers. So you have both from the pool. And in this case, it was actually two different sides of law enforcement that came together for some of this. The tally in total was 11 people, including eight police officers. Whitehall, New York, where this happened um, it has an approximate population of 4,000. It's probably best known for being the birthplace of the U.S. Navy. Uh, it's located at the base of the Adirondack Mountains, which includes millions of acres of protected forests. M- that's millions. So this place is fucking huge, dude. And to put the overwhelming... This stuff in, in a lot of the land in this area has been literally untouched for hundreds of thousands of years. So it's like raw land and that, you know, maybe that also lends like the area lends a little credibility to like that. There might be something weird in these woods to put the overwhelming size of the area in perspective. They used to have an advertisement where they would take five other major parks like Yellowstone, you know, different national parks and they would fit all of them into a map to show how massive the Adirondacks were. That's like, yo, these parks ain't shit. But (laughs) about two hours north of New York City is Adirondack State Park, which boundaries, uh, which the boundaries encompass over its six million acres. Jeez. Massive. I can't even picture it, but it includes over 3,000 lakes and ponds and also 30,000 miles of rivers and streams. Overall, it's larger than many states in New England. The history of the Bigfoot sighting going back to the Native American lore um, in this area, like they believed in like the Wendigo and all that stuff, which we actually covered recently on the Forbidden Five. Um, This area of of the sighting in Whitehall goes back decades. A local golf course owner, Clifford Sparks, shocked the community by coming forward with a sighting. So this is just like some old dude. And if you watch, actually, there's a documentary um, called the beast of Whitehall. And then there's a book called a bear road, the true story, which is written by Brian Gosling, who is one of the people who witnessed the events. Um, but yeah, I think those are the two primary sources I use for this is his own book, the eyewitness account. And then this documentary, which is, he's done a few things, this guy, like he's done like monster quest and some other things. And he says he didn't really care for those, right? But for whatever reason, the Beast of Whitehall, he was like, this rings pretty true. 
and a lot of it's mostly just like dialogue like from the people who who were there so it just sticks to it but this dude clifford sparks is on the documentary and they film him and he's talking about when he's on his golf course and he's out doing like some maintenance and this golf course is located near a bare road where the incidents we're about to talk about all took place so clifford says that him and his dog were on the golf course one evening performing maintenance and then he was approached by a creature that stood over seven feet tall. Quote, it was built like a monster with terrific shoulders and long arms. <laughs> terrific <laughs> shoulders? That's, this, is what, this is a quote. This is exactly <laughs> what he said. He, like, I've never been like, great yo, shoulders. That's those sexy. shoulders are terrific. <laughs> I've been coming, there's been a lot of undertones like, of you bestiality. Have nice, <laughs> you have really nice shoulders, but like. Are you talking to me? Yeah. Yeah. But like, you I too. don't. I think I've ever said, like, oh, my God, your shoulders look terrific today. <laughs> Who uses terrific? I want to. My dad I'm used to say, it is terrific. <laughs> it's terrific. It just always sounds sarcastic. Right. Oh yeah, God. it's an asshole word, right? Terrific. <laughs> what a piece of shit. Malicious. <laughs> That's malicious. Malicious man. So he goes... It was built like a monster with terrific soldiers. <laughs> soldiers? <laughs> with terrific shoulders and long arms. He says it was right in the middle of the green. And he stared at the dog more than he did me. And there was like these red lines coming out of his eyes. Almost like laser beams. The dog hung his head and stayed still. And then the thing ran away and crashed into the woods. And when he's telling this story, he's like... I was fucking around with it, obviously, but he was, like, pretty serious. You know what I mean? Like, he was, like, you could tell he was, like, yo, I've seen some shit out here. Can I add one thing? Like, the first question you're asked is, like, what would make you kind of, like, believe it or, like, what it needs to be credible? Like, an animal reaction to something adds credibility to me. Like, if I see an animal, like, react in a strange way, like something they wouldn't normally do or like acting weird in a different place or staring at a spot or something like that. It would be, it would be cool if they could have interviewed the dog and <laughs> if he could talk, he'd be like, yeah, I fucking saw it too. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. I'm just saying like that adds a little credibility that he like noticed like an animal's yeah. behavior and I agree. Animals that. are more in tune with shit. It's funny because we, we had this conversation earlier and we were watching this, the movie, the girl on the third floor with CM Punk like the beginning of it and there's the dog and I'm like uh, I mentioned you know I love dog actors you know because you fucking like like they're not acting you know what I mean like like you never see a bad dog actor because he doesn't fucking know he's acting dude there's always the like performance is magnificent like there's Lassie Lassie was like six dogs and Comet from Bull House was like six dogs love them dude yeah. love all those guys seven, I like Mr. Ed too Heaven dogs yeah but great actors all <laughs> so long story short if this fucking dog co-signs it i'm in wishbone uh, wishbone yo but he had the little hats and shit and like he looked very intelligent what's the dog wishbone from eddie from fraser you've never dog? seen wishbone no get the fuck out of this room <laughs> no it's like a little dog he he runs around and solves mysteries and stuff. it's not scooby doo it's like a, it's like a real dog what's oh his actor God. name uh wishbone Oh, that's a. Oh, that's not the name of the movie. Yeah, it'll be like, oh, Wishbone goes to the fucking library. (laughs) Wishbone eats his shit. Uh, All the classics. But um, all right, going back to the (laughs) the Abair Road case. Uh, We just fucking. It's ridiculous. Al Puccino. So there's some important people to know in the case. Um, most of them are family, actually. So we have Brian Gosling, uh, which the A Bear Road True Story book, that's his book. So he was also in a notebook. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is Brian with a B. Oh, his brother? Yeah. Right. This is his brother. Yeah, his brother is a fucking hick out in... Uh... <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> so this is... Um, in his book, he's talking about the sightings of his brother... And his father, who saw it that first night, and then his own sightings that second night. Um, Wilfred Gosling is the father's name. 
Um, and then Paul Gosling is his brother. He's like his younger brother. Uh, as a side note, Wilfred and Paul are both deceased, but Brian is still alive. Um, Marty Paddock is also one of the, the names you'll hear mentioned. He is Paul Gosling. Um, so uh, Paul Gosling's friend who was driving around with them the night of the sighting. And then Bart Kinney is also one of the other friends that was picked up. But I'll go through the timeline of the events. And I just wanted to outline these people first. So a bare road sits just a few miles outside of Whitehall, New York, and is surrounded by a field and a forest. It's right near the Pulteney River. Going into August, the night of August 24th, 1976, Brian Gosling is working his radar gun on duty in the village near Whitehall. He was sitting in his squad car, and he noticed a vehicle that was speeding, speeding fast by him. Upon closer inspection, he noticed that the truck was similar to him. Uh, the, the truck was familiar to him. He thought it was uh, like this pickup. And so like, then the truck slammed its brakes and started reversing at him. He knew that this truck was the friend of his uh, brother. His name was Marty. That's Marty Paddock. Suddenly, his brother uh, Paul and then Marty both got out and like rushed towards the vehicle. And immediately they started raving about some massive hairy creature that had charged their truck on a bare road. So they just come right out with it. They're like, yo, this shit's fucking crazy. Seen some fucking creature that ran at us. And Brian indicated that they seemed quite wound up about it at first. And multiple times in his book, he says, I thought they might have been smoking something. <laughs> you know, like he's on that type of shit. He's like, they're, they're fucking high. But... He did say that the terror in their eyes seemed fucking legitimate, like they were legitimately scared. Um, so Brian couldn't leave his patrol because he was on duty at the time. So he set, he went down to the fire station a couple of you know miles away, and he called his father, Wilfred, and he's like, yo, uh, Wilfred's the police sergeant at the time. So his one son is just a teenager, the other dude is on the force with him, but he's the sergeant. And basically he says, you know, call up. He's like, call up the sheriff's department and the state troopers and have them meet them out there. He's on duty. He couldn't go and do it. So he, he said, you know, Wilfred's like, oh, I'll go out and check it out. At the time, Paul and Marty left to meet Wilfred. And on their way back out to a bare road, they picked up another friend of theirs, Bart Kinney. When Paul and his friends arrived, his father was there, along with the other officers from two agencies. So they had two state troopers and two deputies. At this point, Paul and Marty begin to tell Wilfred that the other officers and the other officers like what they'd seen on that road. They tell them that they'd been in the area over near Pulteney River to do some late night fishing and that they were exiting a bare road and they described what was called an ear-piercing, unnerving scream. They likened the sound to a woman possibly being molested, raped, or injured. Because they were very familiar with these sounds. Oh, God. <laughs> um, and, no, so they also described it as a pig, like a shriek of a pig, um, which, if you've ever heard that, it's a really creepy sound. Are they calling women fat? He's like, yeah, it was either a pig or a woman. <laughs> I love it. Pig. I love the delivery. A slam pig, yeah. Hmm. It's possible. What any insight on that? <laughs> what what's a slam pig? <laughs> <laughs> Tell her. You brought it up. No. <laughs> should, should I Google image search slam pig? Just do pink taco. Alright. Uh, they stop near the field, right? This field, and they go, Hey, what's going on over there? And they receive no answer. Like when they're yelling at the voice. Then they drove a little further up, loaded their guns, turned the truck around, and he had his gun like pointed out the window and shit. And they're, you know, they think that somebody's being raped or like fucking murdered. As they went up the road, they saw that, uh, they saw something cross the field. So they turned the truck back around and came back. And they did this twice. Um, each time, like, and, and, um, they ended up like a few yards away from this telephone pole. And on a side note, like this telephone pole, if you go over to the Adirondack Mountains, 
like it was like a landmark kind of thing that was involved with this case. Like it was there and people used it, you know, for all determinations about the case or whatever. I think I heard that it might have been possibly taken down, but it was there for some time and you can see pictures of it online. And they pointed their flashlight over near that pole. The light unveiled, um, unveiled a massive creature that they said must have stood seven feet tall. It was covered in dark hair and was staring directly at them. They hit the gas pedal like immediately and they said like it started like charging them and they laid down a 50 foot strip of burned rubber. And this is one, um, this is when they would eventually be flying down the road and run into Paul while he's on duty. So that's their story of what happened. But now we're back out in the field again with his father and the other people. Um, Brian believed at this time that Wilfred and the other officers found his brother's story hard to swallow. They probably just thought it was a hoax or a bear or something that could be explained. He would not, but, but he did indicate too, like the father did say he, he saw the fear in his eyes and that um, the they saw the tracks on the ground too. You know, they did evidence that and take pictures of it. So as they walked out into the field, another eardrum-pounding scream ripped off into the night. They all froze. The scream had come from the back section of the field. Next, one of the officers drove his car forward and fixed his headlights onto the field. What everyone saw was a, quote, very large dark silhouette of a man-type thing walking to the back corner of the field. It was walking upright like a man, but it was seven to eight feet tall. This was no beer. This is like an excerpt from uh, Brian's book. He says, this was no beer. Its stride was similar to a man, but its gait was different. It had long arms and it hung, that hung down to its knees when it walked. The creature then vanished by, they described it as it stepped over a fence. Like just took oh. a basic step over a fence. That, that's how tall they were gauging it. Um, and it disappeared into the hedgerow. And I guess this part of the field, like there's a lot of like tall hedgerows and you can go into sections and not see what's in there and you hear things. You know what I mean? It sounds pretty fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> like I was like picturing it and I'm like, yo, it's a cre- it sounds like a creepy ass field mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere. What do you guys think so far? Like it makes you think like, okay, this guy has to be telling the truth, right? Because it's like he fucking wrote a book about it but these he's this got, is this is the testimony of 11 guys on this one yeah right, he's got a bunch of people anything have like this much evidence three three yeah. teenagers that saw it they brought the two forces back they saw it step you know this they claim they saw something that big hmm. mm-hmm. i don't know that's pretty credible it's like I don't know why, but I always think of like Bigfoot as running away from people, but like when it charges people, you know what I mean? He more like fast walks away from people. Now, do you think that the scream was the Bigfoot or was he like trying to eat someone out in the woods? Yo, I think I can answer that question for you uh, as we go on, actually. I feel feel like what he says will will answer that, Um, but no one... They don't say specifically on this night that they know for a fact that they saw the creature doing that. Mm-hmm. So, but um, August 25th, 1976, and I'm going to preface this by saying that this is the day in which Officer Brian Gosling and another police officer, whom in the book he refers to as Jeff, would have their encounter with, a cre- with the creature. Jeff is not his real name, uh, but this guy was a New York State trooper along with him, but he did not want to be revealed or participate in the story. While Brian didn't outright say this, from what I gathered in my research, he believes Jeff is straight bitch. (laughs) (laughs) That's the conclusion I came to. And you guys tell me if I'm wrong. Brian Gosling was by all accounts a a good guy, right? Uh, he was like the no. He described himself, and others described him as like a no bullshit kind of cop. He'd arrest anyone just the same, you know, like the fucking needlehead down the street to the crooked mayor. It didn't matter their status, right? He explained that cops don't normally talk about weird shit like giant creatures sightings, um, but 
they will discuss it with other cops, <laughs> just not <laughs> other people. Yeah. Um, so Whitehall, they would all gather and discuss this shit, the cops. But so back to our story, the late one evening around 11 p.m. August 25th, 1976, Brian asked his friend Jeff if he'd like to go back out to a bare road with him and take a look around and see what they, you know, see if they saw anything. Because he knew his father and his brother out there and they were all freaked the fuck out about it. So Brian parked in the middle of the field and Jeff parked by the meadow. And they each took separate cars because they thought they could cover more ground. And um, they couldn't see each other due to the landscape. Like I was talking about those hedgerows. Uh, and a larger hedgerow was obstructing their view. So they used a CB radio channel that normally wasn't busy and they communicate back and forth that way. Brian remembers that the evening air was cool that night and that the silence in the field was deafening. No sounds, crickets or anything, like completely quiet in the middle of August. So he, at the time, he's, he's like, oh, it's not, like he didn't think it was that bizarre, but eventually, like looking back on it, he's like, it's weird how, how quiet it was. Um... After they got into that position, it was probably around 11.30 or 12 p.m., and he says just just before midnight, he heard a lot of racket in the hedgerow, like someone was in it. Branches were snapping and breaking. Something very heavy was causing it. Brian got out of his car, and he took a look around and asked Jeff if he could see anything and began to... Sh and then Jeff is like, holy shit, what the hell is that? I can't... I can, can you see it? Oh, my God. I'm getting the hell out of here. That's his quote in the book is what he says. Jeff and then Jeff just fucking bounced on him. <laughs> like, like oh. Jeff yeah, just Jeff's took off. Yeah. So he, Brian says he was stunned. He couldn't, he couldn't believe that his fellow officer would just take off. Hence my bitch made comments earlier. Um, the police officer is never supposed to abandon another police officer. He left him out there with the Bigfoot. <laughs> what, what is that noise? It sounds like thunder. Well, all right. Regardless. Regardless of the thunder. So he's, he is a bitch, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, Brian jumped back in his car, heart pounding. He tries to calm himself. He still, he still had his window down, and he was listening for noises. But after a few minutes of silence, he decided to get, he decided to get back out and start like looking around again. So he stood like in between his car door. Like When you have your car door open, it's like a V. Yeah. He's kind of protecting himself in that area. He has a revolver in one hand and the spotlight in the other. And um, he says the branches start to break again. He said that there was something in the underbrush. Uh, he said, um, then the noises stopped again. And he could see like something in the tall brush near where his car was parked when he's looking out. He describes uh, the silence that followed that moment. He said the silence, like, he noticed it again. He said, it's like nothing I'd ever heard before. It was like being in a vacuum. A silence so unnatural that it made the hair on the back of his neck stand up. Then he heard it start walking again in the bushes while he's thinking this. Uh, the tall grass, he said, it sounded like, like when he's swishing through it, like corduroy pants is how he described it. Something told him to turn the spotlight on, and he did. He describes what he saw next, similar to the other sighting, in my opinion. A massive hair-covered creature that stood about seven to eight feet tall. It was only about 30 feet away from him. When the light hit its eyes, it let out a scream that reverberated throughout the entire body, throughout his entire body. So he's, he witnessed the scream, uh -huh. to answer your question. He yeah. wasn't there that night, but... And he said, um, the creature put its hands over its face while it was shrieking. Brian says the scream was indescribable, definitely inhuman. He only saw the eye for a brief second, but he said, well, it's eyes, actually. I think he said he saw both of them. But he said they were large and red, and he loves to use the, describe them as the size of a mayonnaise cover. <laughs> the man doesn't realize that there's many kinds of, I know he's talking the traditional mayonnaise, but yeah. it's kind of been phased out. What do you mean? Squeeze bottles. Everyone's using squeeze bottles. That gives me a good visual, though, when I you think, said... 
Manny's yeah. cap. I was like, all right, they're huge. Right. Compared <laughs> to like my <laughs> eyeballs. It's terrifying. <laughs> right. Your eyeball is never smaller or never bigger than the Manny's cap. Mm. Yeah. Not. It's, yeah, it's like a fucking hippo eye. I guess. <laughs> do you do you have any idea how big hippo eyes? I actually think it's more the size of like those stress relief balls that you sway <laughs> in your hands. I got I got those at work. <laughs> they work. They don't look like they work, and you you having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> that's normal then. Oh, so that that's par for the course. No, they actually work though. Like I'll get some stupid calls, and like I just want to punch them through the phone, but I just grab my balls. <laughs> I squeeze really hard. Maybe uh, maybe I'll try Some to grab you ball both. Too. We'll see. I'm glad that's working for you, though. Thank you. That's tremendous. Uh, so back to this creature, though. So it has its hands over its face. The mayonnaise, <laughs> the mayonnaise jar-covered cap <laughs> things. Yeah. He describes its hair hanging down its long arms like an orangutan. The fur was dark, thick, and reddish-black. The shoulders were huge. Terrific. Terrific. Yeah. <laughs> he estimated the creature to weigh four bills. What? Yo. He, f- uh, and he said, he claims his, la- his life flashed before his eyes here. And he said he wondered whether he should shoot it is the first thing that came in after that. And what would you guys do? I wanted to ask you, would you guys yes. shoot, shoot it? it. Yeah. Yes. Because then you have actual evidence. But so isn't you murder bring that life. fucker down to the <laughs> station? <fucking> savage! <laughs> you stole that old dead woman's presents. <laughs> she did. Definitely. I, know you, I know you're in on that. You kept the iPod. Oh, uh, that's why. Yeah, that's American. That's way, why though. you're malicious, dude. Shoot him. <laughs> Shoot him dead. What All were right. you saying though? No, I was saying that's the American way. Shoot everything. I mean, like, Ask if it was, like, Harry later. and the Hendersons, you couldn't so do cool. it. Yeah. You're just like, oh, fuck. Like, Harry didn't scream at anybody, though. Oh, he definitely did. Oh, but no. <laughs> I'm just going to say didn't... right now, it's really easy to fire a gun. Like, it's also really easy to get into your car concerning. and plow him over. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Wow. I suppose that's, that's safer. <laughs> that's safer than, like, I feel like if you shot a Bigfoot with, like, a little revolver, he might get pissed. Yeah, like, maybe won't. I mean, who knows what he's made you of? You could, yeah, you'd have to like shoot to kill, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, you shoot a bear once, it might still keep coming. What's yeah. a seven Especially foot, big foot? Pistol. Well, this is what he says. And I tend to agree with his approach on it. I kind of liked what, what yeah. his response was. He claimed that if he shot it, he would have definitely killed it because it was only 30 feet away. And he, but he said he felt strange about doing so. The creature was human-like, and it had made no attempt to threaten him. He believes, ultimately, that his police training is what kind of told him not to shoot it. He said, mm-hmm. as a cop, uh, he was trained not to shoot unless he felt threatened, or if he was like Vegas PD. So it's like <laughs> the, sc- oh my God, oh. the scream, right? Like, he didn't take that as a sign of like a threatening scream like as just the noise it made naturally like well, he was it, like it's afraid of me right he put the light in its eyes that yeah. was on him he disturbed it but yeah go ahead I was gonna say I feel like earlier it was described as a woman or a pig but now it's non-human like right yeah. women are non-human like <laughs> it's like none we're non-human none of, pigs there's literally none Man of it's a compliment yeah, yeah. either a woman or a non-human pig <laughs> It was a woman or Bigfoot. Nothing in between. Oh, my God. I can't believe you. she connected the dots on this one. I was sprinkling it in there. I didn't think anyone would pick up on it. Bitch sounds like Bigfoot. <laughs> so back to the woman pig. <laughs> nah, he says, uh, <laughs> we can never go one episode without, without doing it. I love it. Um, he said that the... Creature, if the creature had walked any closer, he definitely would have felt differently. Um, when all of the crazy shit was going through his mind, the creature simply turned and walked away from him. When it turned, he said, and this is key. This is key right here, guys. I want you to perk the ears up. Gene, I want to make sure you, you catch this too. Please tell me it farted. <laughs> he took it out. When it turned, he could see the hair on the back of its buttocks. <laughs> Was matted with sticks and mud. Yes, he checked it out. 
and cheeks. the arms were down by the sides and, it, and so extremely long that they were beside his knees, which is also the same description. Mm. A good measuring stick is probably Brian himself. He's 6'1", and the grass in the field came up to his waist, and he claims that it only came up to the creature's knees, Yeah, which explains why he estimated it's seven, eight feet tall. That's a cool visual, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like some of the ways they talk about it, like, it really paints the picture. That's fucking massive. That's like Shaq and shit. Yeah. You know? That's a big bitch. So you think you think Shaq is a shaved Bigfoot? Is that what you're saying? I think he's a pig woman. A uh, man bear pig. <laughs> All right. Shaq's a slam pig. He, um, so he claimed that he could see the muscles moving in its legs and buttocks. What a sight. And um, that he definitely was no, it, it was no costume, is what he swears, up and down. And he says everything was very physically real. He also noted that its stride was very long and, and much more so than a man's could be. It never ran, but it covered massive amounts of ground so quickly upon exit because of how much range the steps had. Last, so, like, can Bigfoot not run? Is that I like think the it thing? just fast walks. Like, why can't, like, if, speed walk. when would he run if he could very, run? It well, sounds here, like he can't but listen, run. He's probably Bigfoot so ain't heavy. fucking scared of this guy. Bigfoot don't understand then what a gun is. scream? He was heated. He's like, get the light off me before I fold your shit. You know what I mean? He was about to fucking fold that boy out there. And so he's not afraid of him. He's like, literally like, I don't feel like fucking his shit up. But if he shines that light one more time. He'd turn around, but otherwise he's just going to show him his butt. <laughs> At least that's that's what I gathered from the research. <laughs> I get it. Okay. Yeah. Glad I could clarify. <laughs> All right. So, lastly, it turned it turned back to him one more time, gave a gave multiple deep guttural grunts or growls. And then disappeared into the woods. So now explain that to me. What was that for? <laughs> this is the line right here. I, I, this was a bit of a hypothesis on my part, but it says, he believed that the creature was telling him to fuck off. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I agree. He was, sh- he was shaking when he got back to the car and he sat there for about 20 minutes. He just couldn't process all that he'd seen. It was too much to digest. The only thing that had entered his mind was to go find Toolbag Jeff. And so he headed straight for the Silver Diner in Whitehall. It was a likely spot where all the cops hung out. He knew that he'd most likely be there, and he in fact was. He asked him what he had seen out there, but he kept repeating, I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything. But his hand was still shaking when he held the cup of coffee. Yeah. Straight bitch. Little bitch Jeff. <laughs> Yo, shout out to bitch Jeff. All right, you guys ready for the aftermath? Or do, does anyone have anything to say? That's that's the sighting. We've had two days of catastrophic, mind-shattering sightings. I was like Jeff got manhandled by Bigfoot. Right? He got out of there before he could be had. Yeah. That's what he didn't want to talk about. He was traumatized. <laughs> right? I, I agree. You look like you're cooking on something. I'm just still <laughs> stuck on the running because I feel like you could see this whole Bigfoot situation a different way. Like Bigfoot was afraid of him, but Bigfoot just doesn't run. Yeah. He's like Michael Myers. But then it's like... <laughs> Always there. It's kind of shuffles. But it's then I don't know how the grunting works into it. So I feel like you're right because of the grunting. How oh. much do you think a Bigfoot weighs? He said like 400 he, pounds. Which 400. I feel like... I feel like that's he had the small. skizzy out there and everything. <laughs> I feel like my entire um, like basis of what's a weird weight or like what weights are based off of is wrestling. So I feel like 400 <laughs> pounds would be like a very muscular, tall individual because I always look up we'll their weights. We'll put it weights. to a wrestler, though. The Big Show. Like Yokozuna. Like who's the, the like tallest wrestler is Big Show, right? Great Khali. Yeah, I think so. Oh, Great Khali. And Kali. he's like yeah. seven, seven feet tall. 
Now I'm just picturing no. Bigfoot wrestling these motherfuckers, <laughs> and I can't see that. I can't get that on pay per view, dude. Bigfoot versus Big Show. Right. The Battle of the Century. <laughs> Yo, I think. What do you think? Who had it? Who's getting who, this? Who's getting the fucking? I think Bigfoot because he's primal and he probably has like sharp claws and shit. He's got him. You know what's awesome, dude? Is probably that smells so bad. Yeah. But those Big Show does too. <laughs> Bob Holly, who was another wrestler, he he fought a bear once, legit, like Yo. head up with the bear. Did he win? Uh, no, he didn't. <sighs> he lived. They were like, oh, like there's a term in wrestling called shooting, and if you're shooting, you're doing something for real. It's not a fake move. And um, the bear was a shoot fighter. That's how he <laughs> described it. <laughs> so. He wasn't pulling any punches. No. Bear. Hands down, Bigfoot would win every single I time. I think so. I mean, Bigfoot in his first match, Big Show's wrestled like a thousand times. He can take the L. <laughs> Professional wrestling's rigged. Like, they're going to book Bigfoot to go over on him. You know what I mean? It only <laughs> makes sense. That's then you build him into WrestleMania status. <laughs> and then Hulk Hogan beats him. Into <laughs> someone's face. Like, who could handle that? I love that yeah. we brought this incident. <laughs> into building him into a future <laughs> wrestling superstar and a hall of famer. Wallace, un- dude, I want to write a fucking story about Bigfoot becoming a wrestler now. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I'd, I'd watch that. I feel like him trying to find his niche. Like he <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I've just been running for from people for I'm like try, decades. Yeah, I'm gonna try a couple different Let's try this things. wrestling he, like, thing. Tries an ice cream shop first. <laughs> What do you think? And then he keeps finds getting wrestling hair in and it. he's just like, this is it. This is what I was made <laughs> was for. Like, do you think he'll be a baby face or a heel? I think he'd be baby face. People would love Bigfoot. I want to see him win. He's the people's champ. He really is. <laughs> Everyone's rooting for Bigfoot. Right. Uh, Yo, what would his moves be called? I'm going to uh, Sasquatch squat oh, you. Oh, the Sasquatch. It's like a, It's like he he jumps off the ropes and uses like his taint area to bury it into <laughs> his chest. I like that. I like that. I like it too. Or or like his his other one, his signature is like a, a flying foot, like kick to the face and shit. <laughs> the big boot. Yeah. The big yeah. The big foot. <laughs> he's not gonna be wearing shoes. Like this shit just writes itself. You, you know, like right. The big foot. He wasn't this, even trying. This is quality. <laughs> <sighs> I don't want to stop talking about it, but we have to, I guess. Uh, but uh, I, I was just it. also picturing him being a daycare person, like and like he's watching kids, and then he crushes one of their heads. And in the movie, it would be like a cutscene that it's next job, you know. Or maybe he's in the toilet and they go in the freezer. Oh, shit. Right? He's taking an L dump, but he can't wipe it because it's getting stuck in his fur and twig. Like a suit salesman, <laughs> he's like measuring people. <laughs> Send us what do you think Bigfoot occupation should be? Uh, evil examine at gmail.com. And, um, all right, let's move on. We have to make that a movie, though, we really do. But right now, let's get into the aftermath of these two sightings. So, the aftermath was a, of the pair of sightings. It was, the sightings were met with a crinkled brow from town officials, and um, they didn't like all that crazy talk shit one bit. So, this is the reason in which Brian believes that many of the officers still won't talk about it. That was also the media, it was also like the media was twisting all the attention. He calls speaking out to the press the, the worst mistake of his life, but he didn't really go into specifics on why. I believe it was most likely because he got like constantly ridiculed. In the book, he's talking about people smirking at him, laughing at him, cracking jokes. They won't let up. He described all these different people that he knew his whole life, and now they just don't believe him. And it's, he says it hurt him a lot. Like it, it fucked with him, just being looked at as the town Crazy. weirdo. And he's a cop too, so even more so. Like it's 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 tough for him. Suck it up, Brian. But uh, <laughs> Brian returned to the scene later, and when he it, like weeks later, he found his wits again. He goes over there with his nephew to search for any evidence. They were able to locate at the top of the riverbank a track 
And in, in his book, he quotes, he says, you could clearly see where it had stopped at the edge of the bank and its toes pressed into the dirt on the downside of the hill. I stood there, incredulous, looking at the size of it. It was no man that made this. It would have been physically impossible. So he went back to look for evidence because he was questioning like his own fucking head. He was like, you know, he's just having trouble coming to grips with this. Like it fucking broke him, the way he makes it sound. A local reporter by the name of Bill Brand investigated the site and took measurements of the tire rubber. And he's also the dude that put the marker up on the telephone pole that shows the alleged height of the creature that they said. So like when you go over there, the pole would be marked or whatever. Um, he also recorded hours of conversation with Wilfred and Paul, who are now deceased, capturing all the details that ended up being a highly important and in keeping the story alive. So, you know, because a lot of the people associated with this thing are dead now. Much of the recordings, as well as other documentation, can be seen in the documentary The Beast of Whitehall, which I mentioned earlier. Um, and is one of the few documentaries that Brian endorses and also participated in. Brian and his family weren't alone in their sightings. There have been many other tales told about the creature. Uh, Katie, which ones do you remember? Because we read through a couple of these. Do you remember any of the other sightings? Well, there was one... Do you remember the one with the rock throwing? Like, some lady was, like, fishing... And she says, like, oh, yeah. picture a big fucking rock. A rock that is not possible for a human to pick up. And she says... Like a boulder yeah. almost. He just fucking tossed a boulder like it wasn't shit, is what she says. And it went <laughs> into the fucking... Yeah. It was like... Wasn't there, like, a kid and his dad were hunting together? And um, the, like, the kid saw it, but he was, like, too scared to say anything about it to his dad? That was another one on the golf course. Like, the dad and the... Um, son they were on it together and you, like you said they both saw it but neither spoke of it and then they talked about it shortly after that like if you saw something like that you know what i mean when you were a kid like i could get just wanting to like write it off in your head versus like telling somebody but like this dude definitely like like it fucked with him so much right like it's like it's it like, altered his life completely yeah it's like it's like this was reality and i definitely saw something that doesn't fit into like my realm of what reality is and it doesn't make sense and it was real you know and, and he says he went down all roads with this shit like when he was thinking about it like he read the things about them supposedly like being interdimensional creatures like all weird shit on it he doesn't necessarily he just thinks he'll never know, you know what I mean, yeah. what it was. He just saw something. He doesn't have some hypothesis or theory about it, although he's explored them out of his own curiosity because he continues he continues to be curious to this day. By curious. Now, <laughs> <Yeah>. one... <laughs> what's I feel like someone's fear kind of adds to credibility to things, too. Like, yeah. when people really freak out and you can see that in them, whether you believe it or not, they obviously saw something that made them so uncomfortable or, like, questioned themselves or something like that. You at least know that it's real to them. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially in a position of a guy who has a good record and he's, you know, the town, you know, the town was looking at him like the weirdo, but that was never the case the whole time before that. His fought, you know what I mean? Like, they, they were never, like, making these weird claims right if someone's off their rocker before. to begin with like right. maybe sure but like someone who's had a a good responsible credibility for so long and then just out of nowhere something changes that like you said that's more credibility and like 11 other people right eight law enforcement two different departments do you yeah. think law enforcement makes it more credible too like that that's their profession not always i feel like it depends on the situation I feel like Maybe his Bigfoot, descriptions, yes. you know what I mean, like can the grass, like that like, part, like knowing how to like observe situations and relay them, like because I feel like you always have to do like incident reports or something like that, so you have to like yeah. have that information ready in your head. But I don't know if that means that you're an accurate, accurate judge of like how tall things are mm. automatically or not. I don't know. I think it's cool because like they gave the description of stepping over the fence. Like these are just things that to me stick in my head. And you know, the the grass being 
below the knees. It helps paint you know? the picture. Yeah, that's something that, okay, we know how tall the grass is. You know what I mean? Like, it helps. Yeah. It helps. Like, it's not absolute. You know what I mean? But I think it's so, from everything I've read, I don't know how you guys feel, but a lot of it seems, like, pretty legit. Mm. You know? And there's a history of this stuff. And I, as we're wrapping up here, one other incident of strangeness in Whitehall happened in February of 1982. Another police officer in the area by the name of Dan Gordon and his partner had their own encounter. The two, the two had ended up um, on duty patrolling alongside Route 22, half a mile from East Bay at the base of Lake Champaign. When an eight-foot, ape-like tall creature ran across the road to go, cli- to go and climb right up a steep embankment and disappear into the brush. The creature was described as being a little different from typical Bigfoot in that it was long, lanky, and the narrow shoulders rather bulging with muscles. And further details were that it was slouched heavily, had extremely long, thin, gangly arms, and that it was remarkably fast and agile beyond the human. Gordon allegedly got out of the car and tried to pursue the creature as the other officer sat frozen and terrified in his car. I mean, in the car. So they're, I think they're in the same car. But the beast was already gone by the time he got out, and the two would keep their experience to themselves, only going public in 2003. So that's 82, right? All that other sighting shit had happened. Those other cops had been completely ridiculed, right? They had this sighting in 82, and they're like, we're going to sit on it. You know what I mean? Like, we're not going to go through the ridicule that we saw. And the media, the, the media did a terrible, I guess, like, fucking made them out to be quacks, kind of. Yeah. Um, except for that one local dude that captured everything. But, so, after that point in 2003, Gordon was interviewed about it extensively in his news stories on, in TV programs like Monster Quest and Mysterious Encounters. And the report appeared in the book Bigfoot Encounters in New York and New England. Gordon was described as an incredibly honest and trustworthy man and insisted on the veracity of what he saw right up until his death on tw- in 2014. So he would also pass away. And he insisted on it up until his death. Um, yeah, this should... And I should also point out that the the fucking um that same night of that initial sighting if you watch the beast of whitehall documentary there were these other two dudes that were driving in a truck around that time and they had they smelt the burnt rubber from when they peeled out like they were on a bare road they smelt the fucking burnt rubber and they were like dude something happened out here like you know what i mean if you're in yeah. this country and you see these tire marks on the on the floor like that's probably weird to you mm-hmm. and and then one of the dudes was just like they were like maybe we should get out and like see like what's up you know like if someone's hurt or something and the, the dude just got a bad feeling the other guy and he's like nah like let's so if something doesn't feel right here yeah. let's just keep going and then they say they saw it like and they their descriptions were very similar they were like oh it was r- the red eyes big red eyes Mayo, and, mayo eyes. Yeah, nice ass. You know, they were saying <laughs> terrific shoulders. <laughs> terrific, terrific. So I think that's that. So we were talking about this case. Also has corroboration of these other people that happened to be on that road, and they interview him. Like, and he seems like a pretty reasonable. Like, he doesn't look like some weirdo. You know what I mean? Well, he does, but he doesn't talk like it. You know what my favorite part is about this guy? Is the diner thing. Yeah, that's that's coming up, actually. Okay. Nice lead-in. Because the author of this book, A Bear Road, The True Story, which you can get on Amazon.com, I highly recommend it. It's a very basic book. It's just, it's not some fucking fancy writer that wrote this book. It's just literally some dude's description of this shit happening, essentially. And all the different things he went through. Easy book to read. Anybody can read it. And I think we read it in like a couple hours. Um, But at the end of the book, he has uh, one final note to the reader. 
This isn't going to give anything away, but you should know in case you don't read the book and you're interested in the uh, Beast of Whitehall. He said he writes, if you happen to be in Whitehall in the Whitehall area, I'd love to hear your stories of encounters or sightings. You can often find me at the Big Apple Diner on Route 4, just outside of Whitehall, heading towards Vermont, having a cup of coffee. Drop in and say hello or ask for me. If not, if I'm not there, they can they can sometimes round me up and I'll come over and have a coffee with you. Uh-uh. Like, I feel like he's like, kind of like, oh, I want to, like, I want people to talk to me about this and ask me about this because this shit fucking happened. Like, I'll and prove I, it. I guess know? with that, that kind of, he's asking for people to meet him rather than... I feel like anybody that's going to meet up with him isn't going to ridicule him. Like, they probably want to actually hear what yeah. he has to say. Well, well he, he wrote in his book that in the 70s when this shit was happening, people looked at you like a fucking whack job. Like, if you thought anything about UFOs or any of this crypto stuff. And now, he said, things have changed so much. There's, like, pe- groups of people that are, like, really interested in this, like me. And he's just like, yeah, I'll fucking meet up with you guys. He's mm. just He's just a cool guy. But yeah, if you want to see him too, if you want to like see him give his uh, documentation of the account, you can. Amazon Prime actually has the Beast of Whitehall documentary uh, at no cost. So if you have that, you can check it out there. Highly recommend the book. Um, any final thoughts on this? What do you guys think? Bigfoot versus Big Show. <laughs> still on that. Do you think? Um, do you think Bigfoot wins like a clean win, or do you think there's there's like a, a chair involved or a table? I think there's some like well, Big eye gouging and shit. The back like, rake. I feel like he's like a dirty fighter, you know. Yeah, if it's, it's a no it no holds bar match, definitely gonna be some blood. Also, join us for our um, <laughs> our Bigfoot wrestling podcast that we'll be releasing. Uh, in, in a ring. Like edition. I just feel like we can just talk about that. Until the world ends, until the Can coronitas we? inside us. <laughs> Anyone else? <laughs> you guys feel pretty content with the story. It sounds yeah. like all right. Yeah. It's, do you think uh, you heard of the Yeti, right? Yeah, that's the Arctic one, right? Yeah. I always oh, picture him blue. Man. But I picture yeah. Yeti being white, like the white fur too. Mm-hmm. You know how like rabbits change fur color if they live in the Arctic, like in the snow and stuff. That's like what happened in Bigfoot and Yeti. Just switching his furs. Camouflage. Maybe Bigfoot has races. Maybe. Ooh. I, I mean. He has what? Races, like like different colors. Maybe there's Asian Bigfoot. Probably right. I think meant, th- like races, like snow races in the snow, <laughs> like sled dogs. Well, that goes without he saying. He never Ob- runs. Obviously, Bigfoot has races. <laughs> like, but. it's like just walking races, walking quickly races, because he doesn't run. Yeah, but how nice is your gait? You know, that's, that's what you'd have to ask them. <laughs> he must just do, like, the way he walks, he probably just kind of like squats, and that's why his ass is so nice. It must be so hard to do a three-legged race with Bigfoot. Is he so much taller? <laughs> He's just like lifting you off the like ground. Dragon, your your yeah. leg is snapping. <laughs> <sighs> He's just like... <laughs> With his pig woman scream. <laughs> before we go into the... <laughs> before we go into the performance, I wanted to... I forgot. I wanted to ask this. Can we just go around just quick? I want a rendition of the pig woman scream from... Oh, shit. From, so just stand a little bit away from your mic and just give me... What give I me think, what, give what me what I you got. Gene really like. was getting me excited doing that one. That was just I mean, that was unbelievable. That was, that was foreplay. Okay. <laughs> okay, so that was almost like a goat. <laughs> fucking killed the it's, listener on that one. It's just, <laughs> what, it's just what happened. I'm sorry. R.I.P. Headphone juice. What do you got? I'm putting you on the spot. I'm sorry. <laughs> you got it. You can do this. Don't we believe do it in with you. all your strength. I believe in you. Use the power of your birthday juices, you know, from the juice from the cake. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. You, come uh, on. Like a, like a pig squeal. I feel like it's... A pig whatever you, No, whatever no, you're picturing pig, this big foot don't, to over, do. Don't overthink See, it. It doesn't like make it sense. Be deeper. Like, Just close your eyes and make a noise. And it could be any noise. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he would just be like, 
No, that's fair. Okay, Bigfoot's nodding. We had that was good. This is good contrast in those squeals. Go ahead, you all next, right. Austin. All right. All right. You know, you know when I hear when I hear pig, I, I think something more like a. Like a yes. Oh yes. I can't picture Bigfoot doing that though. But that sounds like what they were describing. Now, yeah. now you teased us a little. No, he uh, he pretty much covered what, what I was thinking. <laughs> But what's your rendition though? Um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's mine. It hurt my throat. <coughs> I was gonna add like some snort into it, like. <laughs> no, I can't do it. <laughs> just, just do it. Just you can do it. <laughs> but where's the? <laughs> Imagine a bulk, a, a hulking, <laughs> a hulking figure just have a, the highest pitch squeal. Can you can you do a Bigfoot squealing promo? Can anyone do that for me? Like a wrestling promo? Yeah. And oh, um, what would the match be about though? It's He's, Bigfoot versus, versus Big Show. No, no, Bigfoot versus Lumberjack Man. <laughs> and he's called Strowman. Yeah, and then he's cutting down the forest, and Bigfoot is having enough of that shit. So he's going to whoop his ass. But I feel like Bigfoot wouldn't give a promo in the whiny voice, though. I don't what know. Would I just can't, what I just would can't he do? Strowman! It. it would be more he's like... He's like, you can't see me. <laughs> yeah. He's unseen. Yeah. But before everyone stops listening to this, <laughs> let's. this is great. We've killed the crowd <laughs> enthusiasm with Bigfoot squeals. Yeah, the pressure's low. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna lead in. Why don't you tell us uh, again about uh, the band and uh, the project and the song you'll be performing? All right. So the band name is Sinking Afloat, and our first demo tape is actually available to stream on Apple Music and Spotify right now. Um, but this song that I'm gonna be playing is called Green Blindfold, and it will most likely be on the upcoming full length EP. Coming out this year. Yo, it will most likely <laughs> blow your fucking mind. Wonder if 
they can tell I'm disturbed Something in my brain Where all the sympathy is supposed to live They tell me I'm insane But your perception's based upon a male Shit.